Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... You see, as a citizen of heaven, the business of the homeland was more important to him than the business of earth. But knowing that the business of earth greatly influences the future in heaven, he's just getting his priorities straight. He's more concerned about the work of the Lord than he is about getting out of prison. What does he tell us here? I've learned contentment. How? From the one who strengthens me. I've learned it from Jesus Christ. We all worry, don't we? That's probably why God tells us so often in the Bible not to worry. Today, Pastor Jim will teach us that worry may actually open the door to a deeper intimacy with God. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of Philippians chapter 4 with his message entitled, Joyful Worry. He says, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report... If there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So can you think of a book that might help you with that? And as we begin to see the things that God has said he would do in his word take place, we see the changes in people, changes in ourselves. We're meditating, we're thinking about these things. We're praising the Lord. We're not worrying so much. We realize who God is, what he has promised, what he has not promised. Verse nine, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. Remember we said he's not bragging. It was the power of example. They didn't have the New Testament the way that we did, although the power of example is still very big. He said, these do and the God of peace will be with you. Now I have lived, and some of you, this will make a lot more sense by the time I finish this story. I have lived my entire life about 40, 45 minutes either side of New York City. Some of you are like, that explains a lot. And I started my business on the Brooklyn, Queens border. So I started saying things like, use guys, and let's go to Woik. <laughs> I know enough about New York City. I drove a truck in New York City for eight years. That's why I hate to go there. Whenever people come from out of town, they're like, so tell me about the Empire State Building and the Statue of Liberty. I'm like, we only go there when tourists come. <laughs> so I'll say, you're going to the city, and I always go, watch your wallet. And they go, I know, I heard it's very expensive there. I said, no, there's a lot of pickpockets. (laughs) Now, you know why I know there's a lot of pickpockets? Because I am one. Now, some of you are moving your wallets right now. Some of you are thinking, you are one. No, it should have been you used to be one. No, I am one. It kind of goes like this. When I'm worried about something, I give my problems to the Lord. And as soon as he turns his back for one second, I pick it right out of his pocket and put it back in mine. (laughs) I am a worry stealer, right? I steal worry and anxiety and all the things that just fog my brain all of the time. I give them to the Lord. I steal them back. I I can tell by looking at some of you, a few of you struggle with that problem as well. And see, so much of worry is a battle of the mind. And worry, what does it do to the mind? Worry makes our mind run like a thoroughbred racehorse, doesn't it? I mean, my goodness, our ability, computers are just not this fast. Our ability to go from worrying about something to all the scenarios it could be. 
I mean, it's just like, before you know it, you've gone from, I'm worried about this little thing over here, and the next thing I know, I'm burning in hell and nobody loves me. I mean, it's just really. I mean, it happens so fast. So the apostle is teaching us a very important biblical concept here. It's the concept of putting off and putting on. What is he saying? Put off worry, put on prayer. Put off worry, put on prayer. And that starts with something that some theologians call the discipline of refusal. This is so important to understand this. The discipline of refusal. What does that mean? It means I am not going to give in to every anxious thought that comes into my head. I am not going to give a lot of time to every worrisome thought that comes my way. Instead of letting it run crazy in my brain, I'm going to do my best each and every time to give it right to the Lord. And I'm not going to try and pick his pocket for it. It means I'm going to fight off worry. And I'm going to do what? Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not going to just say, I can't worry, I can't worry, I can't worry. I'm going to say, okay, I'm worried. Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your promises. Please help me to do what I need to do, but don't let worry become the way my life is run. So our prayers must be accompanied by a change in the way we think. And the word of God must influence our thinking. But this is such an important point. You can only be influenced by what you know. You can't be influenced by the word of God if you don't know it. And it's so important to read our Bibles. Don't worry about what you don't understand. Worry about what you do. Be concerned about what you do. Come to church more regularly. Have Christian friends who, are, who you're discussing these things with them. So you're getting into the word of God. You're getting the word of God into you. Because notice what you're positioning yourself for. He says here, not just the peace of God, but the God of peace will actually be with you. In verse five, he said he was near. In verse seven, it said he'll guard around your heart to keep you from your worry and anxiety. And verse nine, he says, he'll actually come into the city of your worry-filled heart and be with you. But here's the important thing to realize. Notice it's a process. A lot of people say, well, wait a minute. I'm a Christian. You're all wrong, Pastor Jim. A Christian says that God is always inside of a Christian. But your experience of him inside of you is not always the same unless you position yourself. And I position myself to realize that experience. God's everywhere, right? So we're like, God's here. He's walking around the church. That's awesome. Now, don't call me if you're here, but if you're here at four o'clock in the morning, okay, would you expect God to be here? Well, God's everywhere. So is he here? Some of you are like, trick question. Exactly. Okay. This is what we call manifest presence. While God would be here at four o'clock in the morning, his presence is manifest when his people come together and they worship him. Just like the presence of God in our hearts when we position ourselves for prayer and for worship and obedience, we position ourselves to experience God in us even though he's already in us 
We are experiencing his manifest presence. We're experiencing his love, his grace, his forgiveness, because we've positioned ourselves to receive it. If, if you are a Christian, if you are a committed follower of Jesus Christ. Now, if you are not a Christian, if you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe you go to church a lot, but you're not a Christian, I want to tell you, you have to realize that the promises of the God of peace that being with you and the peace of God being with you is only for God's children. You see, the God of peace is also the God of salvation. And the God of salvation wipes away our sin by the cross of his son. But he's also the God of power. When Jesus was dead, God raised him from the dead. And therefore, having victory over death, he's also the God of victory. And to think that God could raise his son from the dead, ascend him into heaven, and not be able to deal with our personal worry problems is kind of silly, isn't it? It's kind of silly. But you won't experience that peace of God until you have peace with him. As we've said many times, the Bible is an odd book. And the Bible actually says that if you're not a Christian, that you're actually an enemy of God. You're actually not at peace with God. Now, most of us would say, I'm fine with him. I, you know, Jesus is cool, whatever, right? But the Bible seems to indicate that if you don't love him, then you hate him. If you don't worship him, you ignore him. And in a sense, as an enemy of God or not a friend of God, when you die, the Bible says that you will incur the judgment of God. But God in his great love saw that problem with all of us. None of us are any different. And God in his great love sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. God himself became a man. And he walked this earth. And he lived a perfect life in every aspect of this book. Not what they tell you on the television, what this book says, but what this book really says. When Jesus would experience some anxiety, he would go in prayer like he did in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he was crucified. Jesus lived everything in this book to perfection in your place for you and I so we wouldn't have to. And then he went to the cross and took the punishment for our sins in our place so we wouldn't have to. And to prove that God the Father was satisfied with Jesus' life and Jesus' death on the cross, he raised him from the dead and he ascended him into heaven. And God makes this offer to anyone and says to you, you need to make a decision. I will credit my son's perfect life to you and I will credit the punishment for your sins to him if you will simply turn to me and acknowledge that you're far from me and you've lived with your back to me and instead of trusting in yourselves, you will put your trust in me. And maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian and you think, oh, Christians are just a bunch of judgmental hypocrites. Well, we are a bunch of hypocrites, I'll give you that. But anyone who doesn't love you hasn't really truly experienced the love of the Savior. I know who I was and I know who I am.
And so all I have to offer you is the offer of Jesus Christ to come. That anyone, the Bible says, Jesus says, anyone who will come to me, I will by no means cast out. You will make a decision about Jesus. You will either give your life to him or you will leave not having given your life to him. It cost Jesus his life to buy heaven for you. And it's gonna cost you something too. And one of those things you have to realize is that when you belong to Jesus, you don't belong to yourself anymore. And do you know how good he is? That includes your worry. Your worry is not yours anymore. Your worry belongs to him. Verse 10, moves from our mind to our money. Now you're like, this is supernatural. A big source of worry for a lot of people, right? Big source of worry. He says, verse 10, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly now that at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. The Philippian church had given him money to serve the Lord for his mission, sent money a hundred miles away, which is like sending it across the other side of the world to Thessalonica. We talked about that last week. They were a poor church, but they sent money now here. They sent a gift to the apostle Paul in prison. He's writing a thank you note to them. Verse 11, he says, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned... It didn't occur naturally to him. I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. How'd he learn that? He's telling us how. He traded anxiety for prayer. He was outwardly focused on people. He says, verse 12, I know how to be abased, meaning I know how to have nothing and I know how to abound. I know how to have a lot everywhere in all things. I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And then that great coffee mug verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All right, can you do all things? No, I love to play basketball and I want to be in the NBA. I can't make that. (laughs) I can't do that. Is this verse wrong? No, that's not what he's saying. What is he saying? He's saying, I can do all things that God has planned for me to do through Christ who has strengthened me. I can do all of the things that God is going to allow my life to go through because he has promised to strengthen me. So being so closely attached to God, it's helped the apostle Paul be detached from worry. And he's not becoming irresponsible, he's actually becoming more responsible. This guy is amazing. I mean, he's in jail. They hook up guards to him. Oh, what are you in for? Hey, let me tell you, right? And the guards in the prison are becoming Christians. He's also, he's planted churches all over the Roman empire. He is administrating them from prison. People are coming to prison. He goes, okay, he's writing the Bible. Here's a letter. Take this part of the Bible back to them and read it. Right, another part. Take this part of the Bible back to them and read it. The guy is, he's not feeling sorry for himself. He's amping it up. I think God was like, we gotta slow this cat down and get him to stay in one place for a little time. Let's arrest him. You see, as a citizen of heaven, the business of the homeland was more important to him than the business of earth. But knowing that the business of earth greatly influences the future in heaven, he's just getting his priorities straight. He's more concerned about the work of the Lord than he is about getting out of prison. What does he tell us here? I've learned contentment. How? From the one who strengthens me. I've learned it from Jesus Christ. Friends, that is how a man in prison can be free. That is how a person who is flat broke can say, I am not in need. 
Why? Because this man might be in Rome's prison, but he is not in the prison of worry. He is not in the prison of anxiety. Verse 14, nevertheless, he says, you have done well that you shared in my distress. That was the people giving the gift to him, right? They've gotten over the hurdle, the spiritual battle. They believe that when they give to the Lord's work that they're trusting the Lord with tomorrow. Verse 15, now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving, receiving, but you only. Now, whether the other churches forgot to give, or we know the Corinthian church, they were rich, they were just cheap, right? Or they just weren't grateful for the work that he had done. But he's not bitter about it. Look what he says, verse 16. He says, for even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. He says, I know when you do things for the Lord, the Lord credits you in your heavenly bank account and it's gonna pay those great dividends. Verse 18, indeed, I have all and I abound. I am full having received from Epaphroditus the things that you sent me. And then he uses Old Testament language and even the language of the cross to talk about their financial gift. He says, a sweet smelling aroma an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And if you were here with us last week, we rejoiced that God would say that our lives are pleasing to him. That the things we do for the Lord, the steps of faith that we take, the Lord would go, I like the smell of that. I like that. That's faith. I love when my children are like that. And then verse 19, the big worry and anxiety killer, but of course we have to believe it, right? Says, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Verse 20, now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever, amen. And so while many people will worry about money, the good news of a generous God who gave his son, of a generous son who gave his life, has freed many people from the tyranny and the worry of money. And the apostle Paul assures them, and by extension all of us, just as the cross of Christ assures the believer of the forgiveness of sins and eternal life, it also assures us that contentment is possible. And so this passage here shows us that the Lord is both willing and able to meet our needs. And I would contend to you, it's far, far, far beyond money. And if anybody told you it's all about money, I could not disagree more. And here the apostle Paul is showing us that the Lord wants to give us the spiritual resources to deal with our hardship. Here he's telling us that the Lord wants to give us the spiritual resources to deal with our worry. And friend, this is where we all need a profound understanding of the cross. Because the cross shows you that God is for you. The cross shows you that God loves you. As we think about the cross, as we ponder the cross, as we think about the cross, we have to think about what we're actually seeing. We see at the cross, we see the Lord moving his beloved son, the Lord Jesus Christ, towards heaven through the midst of suffering. And that's what a large part of earth is for us, loved ones. God is moving us towards heaven and it involves suffering on the way. The Bible says that we will enter heaven through much trial and much difficulty and much trouble and much tribulation 
And so as God moved Jesus back to heaven through the trials and tribulations of the cross, he's moving humanity towards him through trials and tribulations. So many of us, that's how we became Christians. We just came to the end of ourselves. We couldn't do it anymore. And we see in the cross, God moving us all to heaven. But the key is Christ. Not some goofy, oh, I just feel a peace about things. Whenever I feel a peace about things, I worry about myself. Because I can be so easily deceived by my own thinking. No, the key is Christ, a crucified and risen Savior who has borne our sins on a cross and promised to take anyone home who puts their trust in him. You know, I think that the Hunger Games book is actually right. Sometimes things happen to people and they're not equipped to deal with them. But the word of God is promised that it will equip anyone who will come to Jesus with the things of this life. And not only equip you with the things of this life, but it'll prepare you for heaven. And it's also promised you that the God of the word will be with you if you put your trust in him. Isaiah 26, three says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. It is Jesus Christ who is offered to all of us as the key to unlock heaven and the key to contentment in this life. And the apostle Paul would tell us all, whoever possesses Jesus Christ is a rich man or woman indeed because they possess everything they could ever possibly need and even their worry can be joyful because they don't waste it. They take their worry, they take their anxiety, they take their fear as a glorious invitation to know Jesus Christ better, as a glorious opportunity to experience the love of God and the peace of God richly and deeply. I want to close with the words of Luke chapter 12. Jesus says this, verse 29. He says, and do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and I love this, and your father knows that you need these things. What your worry is, what concerning you, it's not like it's a mystery to your father. Your father knows if you're a Christian. And if you're not a Christian today, you can come to him. If you come to him, he will receive you. He goes on, he says, but seek the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. And then I love what Jesus says, verse 32. He says, do not fear little flock for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. When is the last time you thought about that? that it is your father's, Christian, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. May God bless each one of you as you trust in him today and every day. May the glorious Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, sacrificed for your sins, bring the confidence of heaven to your heart. May the continual presence of the Holy Spirit make you ever mindful of the love of your Savior and your Father for you. And may the reality of your Father's kingdom 
make you long for home and long to tell others about this great king, this great father who wants all to come to his cross so they can become his children and enjoy all eternity with him. Thank you for listening to Change by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire here at Changed by Love is simply to bring you the life-changing message of Jesus Christ by teaching you the Bible in a simple, easy-to-follow way. With that being said, we try to put our messages into as many people's hands as possible for a very low cost and often free of charge to anyone who contacts us. Did you know that all of our messages can be found for free on our website? Changedbyloveradio.com That's changedbyloveradio.com Please check out our website and hit the Contact Us button to tell us something about yourself or to request a CD copy of a message. Here at Changed by Love, we depend on the grace of God as well as the generosity and prayers of our loyal listeners. So thank you to all of you who are prayerfully and financially supporting our program. We would love to hear from you and pray that you drop us a card or a letter to Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey. And don't forget to contact our friends at this radio station and tell them you are being blessed by Changed by Love. It would be a great encouragement to them. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope you'll make plans to join us again next time, right here on this station, for more practical Bible teaching through God's Word with Pastor Jim Kevney, passionately proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to a world that needs to hear.